0: You are listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org podcasts. Hi,
1: this is Mick, and you're listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. I am on the line right now with Jordan Reyes. He has a new album. It's called Everything Is Always. It's on his own label, American Dreams. How are you doing, Jordan?
0: I'm great. How are you, Mick?
1: Doing good. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this album? You know, how did it come together conceptually, and uh, what uh, what can we expect on it? Yeah,
0: that's a good question. Um, it's, in some ways, kind of a functional album. Functional for myself. I began thinking about this album pretty much immediately after my last album, Sand Like Stardust, kind of groping for touchstones in terms of themes and sound, and I knew that I wanted to make the sound more immersive. I wasn't sure exactly how that would come about. What happened in August and September 2020 was the universe decided to throw a pretty massive curveball at me, and while I was working with a previous psychiatrist, She prescribed me a medication called Abilify, which is an antipsychotic. I had been having continued stress and anxiety, a lot of obsessive and ruminatory thoughts, especially regarding death. And this medication took me down a pretty severe rabbit hole of depression. And I went far past ruminatory and went into like a nonstop, Obsession with death and catastrophizing about what happens to consciousness when you die. So I was like really wallowing in this, and you know, these are thoughts. This is a very deep seated fear of mine that probably, regardless of whether I were pushed over the edge by a vilify or not, I would have needed to have some sort of reckoning with it. The reality is that I wanted to believe that something would happen with consciousness. Something not threatening would be there at the end. And and I talked to a lot of people. I saw this therapist who, like, specialized on death, and actually she admitted that she, like, was a medium, and that was sort of the impetus for me to talk to her, it was, like, she, she talked to dead people, and she, you know, was more open, receptive to non-traditional ideas. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't really work out. You know, it just, it wasn't a vibe that I could like truly believe in, like in a, in a experiential way. You know, there's so many snake oil salesmen that will try and peddle something to make you feel better that conflicts so much with science or that's filled with word salad. And so I kept like running into these Corners that like for a moment maybe gave me a little bit of hope, but then as I looked into it more, like tried to actually learn stuff about it, I was like, oh, this is, this is fake. Like, this is like someone trying to just get money from people's fear. And so like a couple of things that like didn't like (sighs) conflict with science and also were things I could believe in were like learning more about nature and my body and then also like getting into Zen and Buddhism. You know, Zen doesn't really say that you need to believe something. You don't have to like will yourself to believe something. You just do X and you see the results happen. And that's anything from like reframing consideration of impermanence, which is something that, you know, I'm I'm still working through and we always will be. And then also doing Zazen, which is like a seated meditation, one that often Um, pushes the person doing meditation to view it as a physical act. You know, there's a sect of Buddhism that does something called Chigantaza, which is just sitting. And so it like isn't necessarily um, a style of meditation like mindfulness, where you are trying to clue into all of your surroundings and you're doing kind of mental gymnastics in the pursuit of being fully present. Chigantaza is like maybe a little bit more relaxed and does allow you to get to a meditative state, but it doesn't like necessarily have this aspirational element to it or this, this way for you to feel as though you're failing. But so, yeah, I was like, you know, engaging with this and got really into doom and drum metal. So like the band sun, electric wizard, sleep, a lot of things like that, this like slow, repetitive style of music lined up nicely for me with what I was trying to pursue in practicing Zen and um, this kind of informed what the basis of everything is always was going to be and also I mean I I, I talked to um, my general practitioner about everything that I was doing and we did like a bunch of tests he's like well you know you're physically fine like but yeah I mean there's something going on there and it's it's kind of advice that you wouldn't expect from a doctor but he just told me to like to make music every day so i was like well this guy's pretty smart and i know that music has helped me in the past and like i'm trying to wrangle all these ideas and so yeah i started working on everything as always um, what would be everything as always and i Until it's over, fold, and I fold, and I fold, until it's clean. So why does the crow not scare me? And, uh, yeah, then I just like got to work on all of the album art stuff and like extra, I guess, world building elements. I always wanted an album cover painted by, like, the the now-late Mariusz Lewandowski, who did a ton of really amazing doom metal albums, primarily. It kind of messes with me that he died, like, a few months ago, and, like, we were actually planning to work together on the follow-up album. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the album cover is, like, one of the last things he did, so yeah that is fascinating
1: that an album about death exploring our conscious relationship to it would feature a piece of work on its cover that was one of the last things that was painted by an artist spooky really extraordinary yeah spooky is one (laughs) is one way of putting it for sure talk a a little bit about uh some of your collaborators on this album you know why you selected certain people to uh to work with you on it and um what those contributions were and how they helped bring out some of the themes that you've been talking about
0: yeah you know the thing about starting an album with fuzz and distorted bass is that it doesn't necessarily have as calming or organic a tone as I wanted so like the first thing I thought about was putting in strings so that's when my friend Leah pulled that's when I asked Leah if she would help me out and she did strings on most of the songs and I mean that that's the thing that broke the album open like after Leah put the strings in I was like I know what this thing is and I was able to like curate a more cohesive list of contributors. I knew that I wanted to write one song for my wife to sing, which is Maybe I'm the Dust. Travis wrote his own lyrics. You, I mean, there's nothing I could write that would be as perfect as what he does. And Travis recontextualized thoughts about death and recognizing oneness um, through a reinterpretation of an old minstrel song called... Old Black Joe, it was originally written by a white person who I think was the son of a plantation owner. And and Travis took that and was like, well, what if we thought about this, but from the perspective of an elder black slave and it was actually a black American writing that. And then my friend Sam did pedal steel guitar. He plays in Mute Duo, a lot of other contributors as well. My friend Teresa from Morning of Black Star did Trumpet at the End. Patrick Shiroishi did saxophone on two of the songs. Yeah, it's just many more. I mean, and, and the reality, too, is, like, I didn't, like, write contributor parts. You know, the only thing that was, like, an instrument I didn't play that I did make the melody for was the Everything is Always Sweet. Um, I told Leah, like, what to play on the cello and I told Teresa what to play for the trumpet and I like you know I'm not a really great writer of music and staff so I like sent them voice memos with the pitches I wanted to be in it like I sang the parts and asked if they could replicate it Um, and then Patrick um, came in and did his own thing but like the rest of like what Leah did and everyone else was just their own contribution everything
1: is yeah, it sounds like, like a true collaboration through and through. And I just want to take a moment to say that I love Patrick Shiroishi's saxophone playing.
0: It's really oh, transportive. Man. Definitely. Uh, he's a maniac. <laughs> Can we
1: talk a little bit about your performance at the Surgical Museum? Why did you select that as the location for the, for the Belize show?
0: Actually, uh, the Museum of Surgical Science is where I got married. Um, oh no way! Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there's this like legitimate continuity and like impactful life events for me. There, I think it's a space that has gravitas to it and is a bit outside of the norm, but also like just has had a major impact on my life. Well.
1: Jordan, uh, thank you again for taking the time to chat with me for the Chirp Radio Artist Interview Series. Again, this has been Mick in conversation with Jordan Reyes. He has a new album coming out on his own label, American Dreams. It's called Everything is Always. And he has a performance coming up, uh, a release show for the album at the International Museum of Surgical Science on November 4th. Thanks again, Jordan.
0: Thanks, Mick.